Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Uh, last week I was, uh, we're in 1 Samuel. We've been studying 1 Samuel since the beginning of the year. And I hadn't preached the week before, and when I have two weeks to prepare, it's a scary and frightening thing. So I had more information and more to say than what I had time for. So within one of the application points, I had seven, uh, seven steps to trust in the Lord. So I decided uh, we're going to take a parenthesis on 1 Samuel for this week and talk about those seven steps. And that's what your paper is there for, that you can fill in the blanks. But more importantly than filling in the blanks, I wanted to have you to have something in your hand that you could take with you and keep close to you to incorporate these things into your daily life and into your life because they will make a difference in your life. We, when we are saved, we don't move from being a good person to a better person. We move from being dead in our sins to alive. Uh, he doesn't just make us better. He resurrects us through His resurrection. But there's a lot of our old self still left. And that's why we struggle with sin, and that's why we struggle with the things of the flesh and of the world. Even though we're a new creation in Him, and old things have passed, and new things are come, we both know that inside of us there are still struggles that we face. Because we have the Spirit of God that wants, to, uh, wants us to, to accomplish certain things, and then we have our flesh that wants certain things, and they're always at war with each other. And so we need to uh, make a conscious effort to feed our spirits and to uh, relinquish control of our lives to the Spirit of God so that God can accomplish what He wants to accomplish. And here's what it boils down to. The, these seven things are not about salvation. They're about having a close relationship with God because He saved you. Now let me walk you through real quickly through the Old Testament. God gave them the Ten Commandments after He had saved them. you get that? After He had delivered them from Egypt, then He gave them the Ten Commandments. And here's why this is so important. He didn't give them the Ten Commandments beforehand because they weren't going to be able to keep all of them, but it's never our works that save us. It's always faith in Jesus Christ. And Romans 4 talks about Abraham being declared righteous because of his faith. Okay, so It's always been about faith in Jesus Christ. It's never been about works. And so God delivered them from Egypt. Then He gave them the Ten Commandments, how you should now live because of the relationship we have. Okay, And I'm going to explain Leviticus to you. Okay, as well. And I know many of you are just waiting to come to church saying, I really hope that Pastor explains Leviticus to me. But how many, you don't have to answer this, how many have determined that at the beginning of January I'm going to read through the Bible and you do really good through Genesis and Exodus and there's some good in Exodus and the stories that go along and you hit Leviticus and it's like, ah, ah, ah boy. Okay, here's what Leviticus is all about. All of those rules and regulations and sacrifices and everything was for them to maintain the relationship that they had with God after they were delivered from Egypt. Right? Genesis, Exodus, they were delivered. 
Leviticus, what they had to do to maintain that relationship. Okay? In the New Testament, it's different. Now, by our faith in Jesus Christ, He saves us. He's fulfilled all of those sacrifices. That's why we don't live according to Leviticus anymore. There's a higher law than the law. It's the law of love that Jesus established. But there is a responsibility that we have to grow in our relationship to the Lord. Okay? It's not about salvation. It's not about following these seven steps and I'll be saved. It's about because I'm saved I want to follow these steps because I want to know more of God and I want God to have more of me. Okay? That's what these seven steps are about. All right? Do you understand the difference between working to gain His approval and uh, instead of sacrifice or accepting His sacrifice and receiving His free gift of salvation and then we have steps to take to maintain that close relationship with God. It's never about our works. Like if you do none of these seven things today or this week, God will still love you. But you're going to miss a lot of what God has for you. See, I believe God wants to bless us, but we don't always put ourselves in a position to be blessable. You know, we can't do whatever we want whenever we want and say and do and whatever, you know, all of this, and then say, God bless me, bless me, bless me. No, we want to put ourselves in a position that God can work in and through our lives. This is what this is for, okay? This is not condemnation if you don't do all of these well. This is a guideline that we, that we can grow in our relationship to the Lord. So that paper is there so you can keep it. I'm going to have a lot of Scripture that is not included in your paper, um, my mom was watching this morning online and I told her, because she was writing, 90 years old, writing down these points, and uh, she keeps a notebook by her chair, and whatever she, she just writes it down and she reads through it, and I told her, Mom, you won't be able to get all these scriptures, but I'd be happy to sell them to you for $19.95. Uh, so, but no, we'll post them on Facebook and on Faith Life, all of the sermon notes, so you can get all of the scriptures. I'd focus on the points. I'll give you what else, whatever else you want. Because I'm telling you, this is something that if you just took one a day and just read the Scriptures and just let it sink into your heart, it'll make a difference in your life. Okay? All right. So, number one in the seven steps to trust in the Lord. Don't... Anybody got a guess here? It's all from... I didn't tell you. It's all from Proverbs 3, 5 through 12. Does anybody know Proverbs 3, 5 off the top of your head? Yeah, trust in the Lord. What is it? With all your heart. And lean not on your... You win a prize. Yeah, Ray wins a prize. You can eat whatever I didn't eat uh, there. Yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So the first point here is don't depend on you. Don't depend on you. Okay? Because when you depend on you, you're in trouble. And I don't know why we would want to. Because God Almighty, the creator, sustainer of the universe, wants to help you through your day-to-day -day life. He came to die on the cross for our sins, 100%. But He also came that He might experience all the trials, troubles, and tears that we experience as human beings, so that when we go to Him, we have a high priest that understands. And so God understands what you're facing. And so you don't have to depend upon yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. 
this relationship with God uh, after salvation starts here. Don't depend on you. Human nature has the dependency or has the, the, the propensity to rely on ourselves. Especially, now some of this I'm going to get to quickly and it's going to be, you know, right to the point. Especially those that have been hurt by other people. You have this tendency to say, I'm never going to trust anyone again because of what this person did to me. And I totally get that. But you can trust in God. And maybe we need to be careful depending too much on other people and putting too high of expectations on other people. Because I'll give you a little secret here. If you promise to live this and tell everyone, I'll tell you the secret. Whoever you're depending on, they're just as messed up as you or maybe more so. And they can't meet your needs either. They can't even take care of themselves. And, let some, and yet some people live and die by how other people treat them. I have someone that I want to share with you today that died and lived that you can always depend on. And his name is Jesus. Don't depend upon yourself. Trust in God. Paul wrote in Romans 11.33, I love this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now think about who Paul was. Paul was at the, the, the pinnacle of everything that you could be as a human being. He was born into the right family. He was raised the right way. He had the right beliefs. He knew the scripture. He was zealous for his religion. He had all of that. And then he recognized when Jesus came into his life that none of that mattered. He considered all of those previous accomplishments in the King James Version was a little more dramatic. Dung. Dung. That's an old word. If you don't know what it means, look it up. That's what he considered all of his other accomplishments when he experienced the surpassing greatness of the love of God. So Paul writes, if anyone could have trusted in his wisdom and knowledge, it was Paul. But he says, oh, the depth, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. He's saying this, God is greater than I am. I'm going to trust in God more than I'm going to trust in myself. Listen, if you want to be able to drop your shoulders Take a deep breath and find peace and relax in God. Don't depend on yourself. And a lot of the stress and the pressure that you're feeling in life is because you're relying a lot on yourself and not enough on God. And you know how I know that? Because I rely too much on myself and not enough on God. I hope you understand, and most of you know me well enough, that I'm not preaching this based on I've got it all together. I'm a fellow on the same journey that you are. I might get the information before you as I'm preparing, but God's still working on me. That's how I know. There are many areas in my life where I'm too dependent on myself and not dependent enough on God. And, and I, I have a sense, and this isn't some kind of spiritual gift, okay? But I know the stress and the anxiety of our day. And I know that many of you are overwhelmed by life. And it was hard before the pandemic, and it's, it's worse now. Because everything has changed. 
And you'd like to be able to drop your shoulders, literally and figuratively, but you just haven't been able to do that. Let's, let's work on that together. Because God has a better life for you than just to be stressed out all the time, to worry all the time, and all of these other things. He has a better life for you. And I'm thinking it has a lot to do with, with me. Because I know what God wants to do in my life. The first step in trusting in the Lord is to not depend on you. The second step is to cry out to God. Cry out to God. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. I think that we need more of crying out to God and less of calling out to other people. Now, I'm going to see if I can say this, because I didn't prepare to say this on the online service, but it just started to flow, and so I knew it was the, the, right, the right thing. Let me share this the best that I can with you. The more you tell other people all of your problems, the more ingrained or the stronger the stronghold becomes. Okay? If you could follow me. Now, I'm not saying your spouse and things like that. I'm just talking. The more you just talk about all your problems, the more ingrained that's going to be. We call it rehearsing. The more you rehearse all of your problems, if you're in a play or a musical or whatever, how do you get up there on stage and remember all those lines? Well, you rehearse, and it becomes ingrained in them. You'll, you'll hear from singers that have these songs memorized. Well, it's because they've practiced, they've rehearsed so much that it's become part of them. When they get up there to do it, it just flows out of them. That's rehearsing it so often that it becomes a part of them. In a negative sense, we can rehearse all of our problems so much that they just become a part of us and they become a stronghold in our lives. Here's, here's what I'm recommending today. In, in, instead of calling out all of our problems and telling everybody else, I'm going to recommend crying out to God. But naming those problems to God. And what happens is when you name those problems to God, it takes away their power. See? In some of Jesus' miracles, they wanted to know his name. Who are you? Why? Because if they knew his name, they felt that they had power over him. See? When we rehearse all of our problems, they have power over us. When we cry out to God, God takes the power of those problems away. And they're no longer, they're no longer such a stronghold in your life. Okay? I'll give you an example of something I've dealt with in my own life, and that's anxiety. Crippling anxiety. Now, I'm doing much better. If you've come to the church in the past few years, you would have had to see me. Uh, back when I was going through it. Um, I'll give you a little hint here. Uh, time does not heal all wounds. Time and taking the proper steps heals all wounds. If I broke my arm but never had it set, time isn't going to heal it properly. I'm still going to be deformed and not able to use it. Oh, my shoulder recently. Yeah, I'm a mess. My shoulder recently, I tripped going up the steps. I missed that step by this much. And I've been suffering for months and through, through everything. But what did I do? I knew it was something 
more severe than can be just ignored. I could have said, well, time heals all wounds, it'll be fine. And you know how much I would be able to move my arm about this much? Because that's all I could do that day. Okay? But instead, I took the proper steps. I went to the doctor, got an x-ray, they found what was wrong, sent me to physical therapy, and now I can raise my arm. See? Why is it that with other things, we're so afraid to get the help that we need? Don't be afraid to get the help that you need. There's no stigma on my end. I've gotten the help that I need, and sometimes I continue to get the help that I need so that I can be all that God wants me to be. God has a good life in store for you. Depression, anxiety, fear, finances, family, friends, work, all of these things, call them out to God and they will lose the power they have over you. Will he take all the problems away automatically? Nope, that's not usually how he does it. But there's a process that you begin that he's going to work through. And you'll see that you're better today, for me it's years later, than I was even beforehand. See, I let my problems snowball until they became too great. When I should have done something sooner. That's my greatest recommendation to you. Cry out to God. God, I'm struggling with my finances. I need your help. I need wisdom in how to handle the money I have. I need a new job. I need whatever it is. Call them out. God, I'm so fearful. I'm afraid to do things I used to do. Call them out. Call them out to God. All right? And see what he is able to do. Cry out to him in dependence. The psalmist said this, Psalm 55, 17. Let me go back a little bit that have been in our Pentecostal circles. Let me see. Oh, boy. Um, our Pentecostal circles, there used to be this thing, well, don't, don't speak it, because if you speak it, you'll bring it into existence. I'll give you a little bit of my background. That's stupid. Okay, this is after 35 years of theological training. It's just stupid. If, if I had said that about my shoulder, well, I'm not going to claim my shoulder's hurt, I'd still be moving it like this. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Now, do I have to rehearse it over and over again? Do I, so I'm not going to go to the doctor because I want everybody to know how bad my arm hurts. Well, that's an issue. Do I think we should be negative all the time? No. I think we should be positive. But this whole idea of denying what's reality is just stupid. So Jesus calls out to the fishermen, professional fishermen, hey, fellas, how's it going? They could have said, mind your own business. We know what we're doing. Right? They could have said, uh, yeah, yeah, it's going fine. It's going fine. Nope. They were honest. They said, we haven't caught anything. Oh, they made a negative confession. Right? They haven't caught anything. Negative confession. Nope. Instead, they were honest. And Jesus said, okay, put your net on the other side. I think honesty is a good thing. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Cry out to God. Watch what the psalmist says. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress. And the Lord hears my voice. Morning, noon, have you lived, have you been there? I have. Where morning, noon, and night I cried out to God in my distress. And you know what? The Lord heard my voice and he hears your voice to cry out to God. Number three. 
Run from evil. Run from evil. I wrote in my notes, don't dabble close to the edges. <laughs> don't dabble close to the edges. Well, I'm, you know, again, for, for Christian folk, you know, I have freedom in Christ and I can do whatever I want. Well, there's some truth to that. But you're actually so free that you don't have to do everything that you want. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a different way to look at it? I'm so free that I don't even have to do that to feel better about myself. That's how free I am. Well, can you do this and can you do that? I, I don't know. You, you and the Lord need to work it out. For Christmas, I got an Oculus Quest 2. How many know what an Oculus Quest 2 is? Okay, a few of you. It's awesome. Okay? It's a virtual reality thing that you put on your face and you enter into this world where you're completely immersed. It's awesome. Awesome. And some of you are already thinking, wow, should Christians be doing that? I don't know. Let me work it out with the Lord and you take care of your own problems. <laughs> Sorry. It was the pizza, Brother Ray. The pizza is just taking effect in me and it makes me say whatever I'm thinking. So I have this Oculus, and so we didn't have church on Wednesday night because I wanted everybody gearing up for missions convention. We got missions Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, all of that, including staff. Staff, we're not having youth after church. We're not having family life because they, our, our staff, um, they work separate full-time jobs. Pastor, Pastor Joe and Val live an hour from church, and they're here faithfully. And I just felt, and Pastor Rowe, she lives, they don't even have running water where she lives. <laughs> I mean, they just, they just got indoor plumbing where she lives. But she's been working, working a new job, thank God for it, working extra overtime, a lot of hours. Pastor Joe works a lot of hours. Can I tell him what you do on Tuesdays? That's not secret, is it? He's on uh, jury duty. For grand jury for like weeks and weeks and weeks and they made him the foreman. Talk about not setting the bar very high. <laughs> Penny, I haven't forgotten you. So anyway, so Wednesday night we didn't have church so I get on the Oculus and they have these public rooms that you can go in and I saw Bible study. So I went in there as my avatar and Joe created my avatar to look like me so it looks old. One time I was in one of the lobby areas and some of the kids that were in there said, oh, look, we have a grandpa. Okay, so I'm going to change my avatar to look like someone else. Anyway, I go into this Bible study and it was pretty cool. And the guy, you have this virtual patio and you can, you can put your desktop up in there. And he had, which would look like in the sky, all the scriptures from BibleGateway.com. And they were walking through the scriptures and teaching Bible study virtually to people from, it could have been all over the world, certainly all over the country. I thought, holy cow, this is awesome. But then, as can be the case, they started talking about things that didn't really matter about should I do this or shouldn't I do this. And I didn't want to say anything in it because I didn't really, I don't really like to argue and I didn't want to get into the middle of it. But all I could think about was, you know what? You need to work some of these things out with God and less judging of other people and work it out with God. Now, there are some things God says is absolutely wrong. There are other things that we have choice to make. But here's at the end of the day, we should not dabble so closely to that which can destroy. 
We should not dabble so closely with that which can destroy. Instead, run from evil. That's what Scripture says. I'm so free, I don't have to go up to that line to feel better about myself. I'm so free, I can avoid those things and still live an abundant and full life. Run from evil. Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. The New Living Translation says, turn away from evil. Make a choice to turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. You want healing for your body, strength for your bones, then run away from evil. Don't dabble in that which can destroy you. Number four, put God first in your life. This isn't a sermon on giving. It's just scripture in the passage we're reading that happens to be about giving. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Some of you are like, ooh, good wine. That's the first time you've paid attention in 22 years. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding. It's the pizza, Brother Ray. It's the pizza. But he will overflow. You will overflow with all good things. Listen, if you're not sure of that, ask some of the people that have been faithful giving for decades, and they'll tell you this is 100% true. Here's how it works. Again, I'm short on time. (laughs) Uh, Those that don't give never have enough. And those that do give always say they're blessed. Isn't that interesting? I rode by a restaurant on Friday. And I was going, door was out with their friend. And so I didn't want to cook. So I ordered Chinese. And as I was going to pick it up, um, um, I rode by one of the restaurants on the way there, slam-packed full of cars. Slam-packed. Good restaurant. Good food. Not real high-end, but good food, but very expensive for what you get. I won't say the name of the restaurant. Very good, but expensive. At least 50 bucks for a couple, for, for a little bit higher than a pizza place. Slam-packed. So I thought, here's a meme of the week. Gas is too high to go to church. And a picture of the restaurant full of $50,000 cars. Isn't that awesome? I thought, man, that is great. Look at those trucks. I know that truck cost $60,000 because I was just at the dealership buying my, my used car. And I was just at the dealership, and he said, all we have is $50,000 trucks. And I know those trucks get like, you know, 18 miles to the gallon. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, no, they should never go to church because gas is really high. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, or maybe you know it as, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Do I feel guilty about going out to eat? Never. Never. Because we try to live as God enables us. Do we spend money we don't have? No. Did our kids go hungry so that, you know, we could? No. Do we give to the work of the Lord every time the Lord puts something in our hands. Every time. Do I have to give on my, 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 my net or my gross? Honestly, if you just give and leave that up to God, it'll work out. If people would only give according to their net, we could change the world. If we're worried about net or gross or whatever, you're worried about the wrong things. 
Do you have a generous heart or not? Here's simple, because Dora and I are simple people. Anything that comes into our hands, we give 10%. Okay? We're going to get our taxes back. Well, I already, paid, I already paid tithes on that taxable income. Okay, that's good for you. For us, hey, we're going to give another 10%. Somebody gives us a blessing, a gift, whatever it is. I'll just use a round number, $100. Oh, 10 to the Lord, not mine anyhow. First is always his. And look at me. Do I look like I'm suffering? <laughs> look how happy I am. Think about after the wedding when I'm done losing weight on April 13th, how happy I'm going to be. When is it? Oh, it's June. This whole... No, this whole Lindsay thing has messed me all up. Some of you won't understand this, but in my mind, she's still only this big. You know, she's only this big. She's only this big. It's hard for the old man. Still my baby and always will be. She's just really messing up everything. Never liked that kid anyhow. No, not her, the boy. Remember I used to call him the, the friend that's a boy? Then he became a boyfriend and now he's a fiance. Put God first in your life. Number five, check yourself by God's word. Hard to evaluate ourselves. We all have blind spots. That's why one generation looks back at another generation and says, well, why did you do that? Why did you? Well, because we all have blind spots. It's easy to pick out somebody else's faults. It's harder to find our own. And we relate it like this. It's easier to shine a, a, a flashlight on somebody else's sins, but it's harder to look in the mirror. And so how do we evaluate ourselves? Because some people evaluate themselves too harshly, and you, you act like you're you know, good for nothing and worthless, which you're not. You're so valuable to God that He created you and He sent His Son to die for you. And some people aren't harsh enough. And here's how that comes across. It's everybody else's fault. And if everything in your life is everybody else's fault, it, it might not be everybody else's fault. It might not be. How do we evaluate our lives? By God's Word. Because it never changes. God's Word never changes. It's the same for thousands of years. We look and see what does God's Word have to say. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can understand it? Don't follow your heart. Follow the Word of God. If you follow your heart, that's not a good choice. Follow the Word of God. Proverbs 3.11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent His rebuke. Follow God's Word. Okay? Number six, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. One of the authors I was reading this week said, The Holy Spirit is our spiritual GPS. I like that. For, for those of you that are younger... We used to have this weird thing, and it was, it was called a, a, a map. 
and, and, a, and a, a map is how we used to get to places. And you would go and you would get it. And then gas stations used to have them, if I remember correctly. And you'd go and you'd get a map and it was folded perfectly. But it was the only time in the life of that map that it was ever folded perfectly again. Do you hear me? Because once you used it, you could never get it back together again. Honestly, I don't know how we did it. I've become so used to the GPS that uh, I, don't, I don't know how we used to do it. I mean, you could get on the main routes and stuff, but I remember, you know, we would go visit somebody and they'd say, well, you take this route and this route, but when you get off, you make a turn here and a turn there, and then you see a tree off in the distance, you make a left, and the, the fence that's broken, that you make a right. You remember all of that? You'd write it all down. Then MapQuest came. Do you remember MapQuest? And they would print out the directions for you. You're like, wow, this is awesome. Now you've got a GPS, and we used to buy the separate unit. Now it's on your phone. But whether I bought the separate unit or it was on my phone, I always changed the voice back to a man's voice. And you know why? Because I'm tired of women telling me what to do all the time. (laughs) Ray? No, it's a pizza, Ray. Honestly, it's a pizza. Instead, instead of trusting in ourselves, learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our spiritual GPS. Earthly GPSs aren't perfect. I've had them lead me to the wrong place. But listen, real quick, and it's a, it's a simple point, but it's true. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to the wrong place. You might not follow Him properly, But he will never lead you to the wrong place because he knows the mind and the will of God. And we have to learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit because we have a lot of different things going on in our life. Our flesh wants to do one thing. You know, our our mind wants to do another. We we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and he will lead you in the right direction. And lastly, and I'm not going to get to that other thing, Ray, I'm sorry. Or we might, but later. Lastly, and this is the most important point, number seven, rest in God's love. Rest in God's love. Proverbs says, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father the son he delights in. God loves you, and not only does he love you, but he delights in you. He delights in you. We talk a lot about my daughter because she's marrying that boy, whatever his name is. And I don't know what's going on. I'm not even going to talk about that anymore. But, you know, I'll talk about Joseph a little bit more. He, uh, and I love my son, obviously, and, and I love when he's home because we can communicate without talking. Men know what I'm talking about. We'll be watching TV and not speaking for hours at a time to the glory of God. And something will come up. Man, you don't have to say anything. I'll handle this. <laughs> I'll just look at Joe. He'll be sitting over there. I'll be like, eh. He's like, eh. That's it. That's all we need. He'll be working out in the garage making something. I just watch because I'm dangerous out in the garage. And he'll be like, <laughs> I'll be like, hmm. <laughs> That's it. So yesterday he texted me. He said he was reading in scriptures. Uh, uh, for his devotions. Well, he could have stopped right there because I was so excited. Now, what he wrote about was funny, and he thought of me. He said, yeah, Elijah, uh, 
or Elisha, I forget which one was bold. Elisha, and when they teased him about being bald, he called down bears and they ate him. So, okay. <laughs> okay, I like the scripture, but I liked better that he was reading the Bible uh, without having to be, you know, made to or anything like that. And, and, and I was so excited to hear from him. And I relate that to say, God loves you and he delights in you. He thinks you're awesome. But pastor, you know, I did this. At, listen, God knows what you've done. God even knows what you will do in the future because he's outside of time. I'll explain that another day. God even knows what you're going to do in the future and he still loves you. And how much does he love you? Completely. He doesn't love you 95% more today because you're in church than he loved you yesterday. He loved you 100% yesterday. He loves you 100% today. He'll love you 100% into the future. And this last point, I think, is the, the umbrella that needs to go around everything else in our lives, that God loves us completely. He cares about us. And this is where, listen, real close now, I'm, I'm, I'm done with all the jokes and all of that. Listen real closely. This is where you'll find the most rest and the most peace in your life. That every day you stop and thank God for his love for you. And you can lower your shoulders no matter what you're facing and no matter what you're going through and say, God, I thank you for your great love for me. I thank you that you give your love not based on my goodness, but on yours. I thank you that you love me not based on my works, but your work on the cross. God, I'm sorry for whatever I've done in the past. I thank you for loving me through it. Lord, I'm facing, and we name whatever that problem is that we're facing. We call it out loud using our vocal cords to take the power away from it and to let the power of God fall fresh in your life. God, I'm, I'm facing, and I'll just say financial problems. But I know you love me, Lord. And I know that there's nothing in heaven or on earth that can keep you from loving me. And while, Lord, I don't understand everything that's going on, I do know that you love me, and I rest in that love. That'll change your life. Lastly, Paul writes to the Ephesians. Paul's writing from prison, okay? He's praying for the Ephesians, and this, I want this to be my prayer, that you hear my voice praying for each of you. Paul never asks to be released from prison because he knew that God was doing something in his life and through his life while he was in prison. You'll never see that. He only asked for boldness to preach the gospel. The Ephesians were facing persecution. They lived in the, where the temple of Diana was prevalent and people were worshiping. And Paul had faced persecution in Ephesus. And the people, he never asked that the persecution would end as he prayed for them. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, this is my prayer for you, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would just come into your life in such a powerful way that you would feel his strength in the midst of your weakness so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See how it's always about faith. He doesn't say so that Christ will dwell in your hearts because you're good people. No, believe, receive. He may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints. Real quickly, the goal of Christian maturity isn't independence, that I don't need anyone. The goal of Christian maturity is interdependence. I need God and I need each of you. That's why church is so significant. He says, with all the saints. To grasp, here's what he really wants, and here's what I really want for you more than anything else today, more than all of your problems going away instantaneously. And the reason that that might not be good is because we never grow on the mountaintop, we grow in the valleys. And I don't know why you're facing what you're facing. I, I don't know. And I know that what you're facing is hard. And I know that some of the things you're facing, it's not your fault that other people have done wrong by you and to you. I totally get that. But God can even take those terrible things and he can work in your heart and in your life to transform you and to make you better and stronger, more filled with love and faith than ever before. Second Corinthians chapter 1, he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Listen, through those problems, here's my greatest prayer for you that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. How great is the love of Christ. Oh, that you would just get a glimpse of the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Resting in God's love. He loves you. He'll never stop loving you. Paul goes on. Maybe you've heard this before. And now to him who is able. Glory to God. Can, can you do something kind of different? Can you, without music, just raise your hands to God and, and symbolize, God, I need you right now to do more than I could ask or imagine. God, I need to grow in my understanding of your love. God, I need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I'm overwhelmed by the problems of this life, but you're not overwhelmed, oh God. Oh, that I might sense your power that comes from your love in my heart and in my life. God, I, I haven't been able to, to rest because of all that's going on in my life. God, I, I, I need your help. I need your help with my finances. I need your help within my family. I need your help with the fears that I face on a daily basis. I call out those things to you, God, because I don't want them to have power over me anymore. Oh, that I might have a new understanding of how great your love is. It's higher than I can see. It goes down lower than I could believe. 
even down to me. It's wider, it's longer, your love, oh God. I so desperately need you today. There is no other hope and there is no other answer but you, oh God, but you're enough. You're enough for all of my needs. God, I need you to do more than I could ever ask or more than I could ever, ever imagine. I need you, Paul says, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Ray and his team are going to come back and they're going to sing just one of my favorites. Uh, it's a, it incorporates an, an older song and with some newer things, and it's called Just As I Am. Isn't that awesome? That God loves us just as we are, just as we are. And as we grow in our relationship to Him, He just works and He moves and He changes us and He transforms our lives. This will be the last. We'll sing this together and we'll close in prayer and the benediction. But let's enter in to the presence of the Lord and continue to call out to Him as we sing today and just let Him minister. See, I don't think God stops working when the sermon's over. In some ways, He just starts working when the sermon's over. Be open to what God has in store for you today. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.